What's going on, everybody? It's your host, Justin Vandehey, here at the Assassin's Podcast. We've got Money Morning Quarterback coming up with my good friend, Chris Yeh, breaking down two companies that raised pretty sizable rounds last week, talking business ethics, fundraising strategy. Before we get into the show, I wanted to highlight a couple of notable companies that did their thing this last week, kicking it off with My Carrier, a $22 million Series B. They're building a transportation management platform that helps their clients control their shipping needs. That was by Graycroft, Lear Hippo, New Road Capital Partners. Front Desk, a $13 million Series B, powering short-term stays for modern dynamic living. That was led by Milwaukee Venture Partners, Motivate Venture Capital, Sand Hill Angels, a couple of notable other firms in that one. Aqua Yield, a $23 million Series A. What they've built is a rapid-growing, sustainable fertilizer technology company that was led by JH Partners, Larry H. Miller, Management Corporation, Penny Newman Grain, Hop Skip Drive, a $37 million Series D. What they've built is a vehicle for hire company that's focused on shuttling kids to and from school. My God, I could use that solution. 1776 Ventures, 1843 Capital, and some other really solid investors. And the last two here, Vercata, a $205 million Series D. They're setting the new standard for cloud-managed enterprise building security. That was by Felicis Ventures, First Round Capital, Sequoia, and some other really solid investors. And then last but not least, Tracked, a $7 million seed round. They're building an online community and content marketplace for student-directed learning. This was put together by Ann Wojcicki, Bill Tide, Dan Rosenwig, Mark Pincus, NEA, and Susan Wojcicki. We're going to get into that one here in a second as well. Awesome rounds here. Some really incredible companies being built. All right, without further ado, Assassins, giddy up. See them dollar signs, assassin state of mind, assassin state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line, assassin state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs, assassin state of mind, assassin state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line, assassin state of mind. They say money over everything, everything, Asian again. Shopping for a wedding ring, salary, startups, crypto, stock exchange. Appreciate every penny, I can change. One phone call and your life can change. What's your love language? Can't do business if it ain't reciprocated. Closing deals on the daily, weekly, monthly. Real recognize, real you dudes is acting funny. Don't waste our time, time is money. Every second generating revenue, ups and downs. You ain't rode the waves, we do. Smoke is a joke. What is going on, everybody? Happy Monday. It's your host of the Assassin's Podcast, Justin Vandehey. Week two of the NFL football season, I'm sure. Everybody's fantasy lineups are already destroyed and butchered. Mine, week two, two losses. So hopefully right in the ship here on Monday Morning Quarterback. <laughs> We've got a really special guest coming back in. He's been a world traveler, just globetrotting the last couple of weeks. Chris Yeh. Welcome back in, my friend. My pleasure. It's always great to be here. <laughs> so what's been going on? You've been, you were in Bangkok. I've been just living vicariously through your, uh, your social feed, but what, what is the latest, man? Where are you physically and what, what's been going on? 
Well, I'm finally back in Palo Alto, but I'm still world traveling virtually, if you will, because right after this recording session, I'm going to head over to Stanford to meet with a delegation from Kazakhstan of all places. But I like to tell people I am a globetrotting apostle of blitzscaling (laughs) and Silicon Valley. And so in the past month or so, I spent most uh, more than a week in Brazil in a couple of cities, spreading the word there. And then over to Thailand and Bangkok, which is a fantastic place. Uh, I cannot recommend going there enough. Just an incredible, friendly, hospitable, uh, energetic, clean, beautiful place with wonderful, wonderful people. And my God, given the strength of the U.S. dollar right now, you cannot imagine how (laughs) inexpensive it is to travel abroad. It's just insane. And then finally, my family and I spent a couple of days in Hawaii on the big island on a family vacation as well. So I'm well rested, but probably need to lose about 10 to 15 pounds now. Yeah, I feel you, man. I'm in in Vegas for the HR Tech Conference this week. So also traveling. That's why I look like I'm shooting up. And then it looks like a background, like a porno scene here. But this is the uh, Mandalay Bay. Shout out to the Mandalay Bay Casino and Resorts. So it probably has been used for some adult. It, it could have. It could have very well easily been. But speaking of prices, on the other side, I think I paid sixteen dollars for a Gatorade this morning. So uh, it we are we are on the other end of the spectrum here. That's enough for lunch for two in Bangkok. Uh, yeah, or a week probably. Um, well, very cool. So this week, Money Morning Quarterback, we're gonna get into two companies I wanted to talk with you about. Uh, one little larger scale, one that recently raised their seed round, some controversy around one of them and one that I think is breaking new ground in an interesting category, uh, being a parent with two kids that are, you know, early education stage. So we'll, uh, we'll talk about the first one that the company is called Vercata and what Vercata has built is, uh, the new standard for cloud-managed enterprise building security. They announced this last week, they raised a $205 million round at a $3.2 billion valuation. So it was a massive round. Um, first round capital, Felicis Ventures, Sequoia was in it. So a number of really reputable firms. And we can get into sort of like the problem that they're setting out to solve, but essentially, yeah, it's a commercial security video-based system. Um, but there's been quite a bit of news about Vercata recently for not as great of reasons um, related to, you know, things like breach of security. There's been some workplace stuff going on. So I wanted, yeah, just to get into that opportunity, talk about the problem, the space a little bit more and not to just get right into it, but ethical questions around venture and investing. Like I'd be curious to get your perspective on the opportunity. Absolutely. And I think that it's very illustrative of a couple of the larger trends. So the first thing is, why is Vercata so successful right now? And the reason is their competition is so bad. So if you look at their competition, it's all the old school players like ADT and so on and so forth. And what do we know about these people? They've been around forever. They're slow moving, legacy systems, legacy hardware, legacy software. It is probably terrible. And so being able to come in and offer a brand new solution is the reason why they're able to actually grow rapidly. And I think we've heard that it has got 
you know, over a thousand employees, over 13,000 customers. So obviously they have incredible traction in the marketplace. So that's why they're succeeding. They're tackling a big problem with terrible, terrible incumbents. And because of the fact that people are more and more cognizant of security now than ever before, especially in the United States, it makes sense that there is a time where people are like, yeah, we really want to dial this up. We want to figure this out. So that is the broader context. But then there is the question of what's going on, given the broader market context of the ongoing stock market correction. And here's a company that is raising money at a high valuation, raising a lot of money. Now, part of it is we don't know all the details. So when it comes to announcements of funding, that announcement might include convertible notes that are being rolled into the round. All these things are, are something that could be happening underneath the service. But nonetheless, the headline of the $3.2 billion valuation is an important one. I do think that means they're coming from a position of strength. But that's the sort of financing round dynamics type stuff. Now let's dig into the naughtier, thornier moral issue, which is, okay, this is a company that has had some issues in the past. I think specifically you're thinking of two different things. One is breaches of security. Essentially, this is a security camera company, and there were various instances where either the employees or suppliers or other folks like that were using the company's cameras and actually looking at stuff that was customer secret, that customers had explicitly said, this is privacy mode, no one can see this, and people were seeing it. And the other is the notion that there was an out-of-control bro culture, maybe sexual harassment, other things like that going on. Both of these are obviously big negatives, and yet they did not prevent the investors from ponying up $205 million. That's, so I guess the question is like, I, I mean, I don't know. We're seeing this with a number of companies that have raised more recently. I guess there's, I don't really know how to dive into this, but essentially the, the question of ethics versus return. And I mean, again, these are reputable firms with really solid partners that, you know, I know several personally, I'm sure you do too. So it's kind of like, how do you make, how do you make that judgment call? How do you make the distinction between whether to go or no go? And I don't know. And it's very challenging. So I would deal with the two issues in tandem, uh, as, but as parallel issues. The first is the issue of security breaches. And this entire story is highly reminiscent of Uber. If you may recall, Uber was caught with various things like people using God mode to spy on celebrities and things like that. Yep. So there is always the potential for abuse. If somebody is actually operating a network of cameras or a bunch of ride healing cars and they monitor every single car and every single camera, there's always going to be tremendous potential for abuse. If isolated instances of abuse occur, then you know that's sort of inevitable. There's no way you're going to get through this without any instances of abuse. Same thing for Airbnb. Somebody's going to trash a hole. This stuff happens. Yep. So I'm not as concerned about that, but I am a bit more concerned about, okay, well, why did it happen? And if it happened because of a broader culture, which is unaccountable, which is careless, then that is a bigger issue. And that was something that we saw with Uber as well. It came from the top. Travis Kalanick very famously had a set of attitudes around always be hustling and we want to be super pumped and we're going to be super aggressive. And that cascaded down to the rest of the organization and results in a lot of super bad behavior. So the question is, is this this kind of Uber situation or is the kind of situation where the founders, you know, maybe have let a culture get out of their control, but it wasn't something that they themselves 
we're trying to actually inculcate and drive. Now, the interesting question for the investors is, well, how do we deal with this? And in the case of Uber, it's very illustrative. The investors stuck with Travis until the point that it appeared that his behavior was going to crater the company's value. And this is something where it reflects the fact that there is a tremendous amount of value here. There's people who've been in this company from the very beginning. If you invested in the seed round of this company and it's got a $3.2 billion valuation, you are sitting on a massive, unrealized gain, huge markup, very important for your portfolio. And so it's very difficult to walk away from something like this. And I can easily see myself in this situation saying, you know, I know the founders, they're not like Travis, they're good guys. I mean, I, I'm just saying hypothetically, I don't actually know the founders, uh, but they're good guys. And this is just, you know, inexperience and they're going to turn it around and we're going to help them. And more importantly, we need this one for raising the next fund. So yeah. I think that this is a case where people, whether they admit it to themselves or not, are looking at this and saying, this is one of our big investments. This is one of our flagship portfolio companies. We got to make it succeed. And the guys who are running it or the guys who are making it succeed, we got to back them. Yep. The, the market is massive. Uh, the commercial security market estimated at $242 billion last year, expected to grow again to $433 billion by 2027. It's interesting too, because with this one, there's obviously a hardware component. It looks like they're writing the firmware on all of these devices. So they're, I don't know where they're manufacturing them, but it's pretty big multiple. Uh, obviously a lot of the values on the software side through things like remote monitoring and, um, but yeah, just the solution overall, I thought there was some really interesting components to the product they built out, like facial recognition, uh, being able to do things like vehicle tracking. They're also, I thought it was kind of cool. I didn't realize they had a workplace uh, management aspect of it where they can do guest and visitor management. So I was thinking back to, you know, I don't know, Larry at Envoy, um, mm -hmm. but like a whole aspect of that around guest and visitor management that I hadn't traditionally thought of with commercial security, but it makes sense. And it looks like they have this app called Command, which allows you to sort of see end to end across the whole spectrum of the product. So it looks like a pretty tight offering, especially again, like you mentioned, comparing it to ADT and some of these other really shitty incumbents that have been jamming in the space and haven't really innovated for, for a long time on the commercial side. So no offense to ADT, if they want to sponsor the Assassin's yeah. podcast, we're well, we are <laughs> open to that. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yes. Yeah. ADT will gladly take you as a sponsor. Um, okay. Transitioning into the next opportunity. Wanted to talk about a company called Tract. Uh, this last week, Tract announced a $7 million seed round. What Tract is building, uh, highlighting the company Kids, Buy Kids, an online community and content marketplace for student-directed learning. Some pretty notable folks in this round. Uh, the founder is Esther Wojcicki. Wojcicki. My God. The dyslexia. So Anne Wojcicki. Dan Rosenwig, Mark Pincus, NEA, and Susan Wojcicki. So Esther, their mother, pretty well-known, established educator, uh, has a pretty solid line of, <laughs> of children that have made some pretty big moves in the tech ecosystem. And so, yeah, so I guess talking about this opportunity, the problem that Tract is setting out to solve is that kids today, if you look at early education, the traditional institution around how kids are consuming content, it's pretty static and stale. And I've got a seven-year-old uh, in second grade right now. 
And I would say their read on the market is pretty accurate, like that the younger generation is more digitally native and is more plugged in. Obviously, there's the whole YouTube and TikTok creator influencer wave. And my daughter, I will admit, is like aspiring to want to publish and create content in this way. Like I see it happening. So I think Mm -hmm. they're really onto something big here, but I'd be curious to get your perspective on what Tract is building. Absolutely. So I really like this deal quite a bit. Uh, I also have to admit there is a little bit of bias. Esther Wojcicki is a friend of mine. She and I have gotten to know each other over the years at a number of different events and things we've done together. So I'm a big fan of hers. She's an incredible woman. I think she's in her early 80s right now. You'd never know it. Her level of energy is insane. So just an amazing, amazing woman. And of course, she's partnered with a very smart young guy who I don't know, but is very clearly very capable, a guy named Ari Maymar, who, you know, smart guy, studied chemical engineering at UCLA, did a bunch of work as an actual engineer, and then also was a product manager over at Uber for a number of years before founding Tract. So great pedigree. He's probably in his early 30s, a great counterpart, technical versus Esther, who has many decades of experience. She's a legendary teacher at Palo Alto High School, where my kids went to school, uh, just well known for for what she did there and being one of the most inspirational teachers imaginable. So I love this in general. I totally agree. Education is messed up. Allowing peers to teach peers is, is absolutely great. There are challenges, right? The question of moderation. I think that we noted that Tract is providing a safe, moderated space. All right, great. What are the costs of doing that? Is this going to be able to work out? Uh, I think that there is a clear analogy to YouTube, which ironically enough is currently run by Esther's daughter, Susan. (laughs) And with YouTube, people said, oh my God, it's user-generated content. It's all crap and it's dangerous and who knows what's going to happen. And oh my God, it's going to be sued out into oblivion. And then of course, Google bought it for 1.6 billion. And when the day that was announced, I said, wow, Google got the biggest bargain of all time. People are going to look back on this and think they were idiots for not buying YouTube, which ended up being the case, obviously. And I look at it and I say, you know, the added element that makes it a little riskier is it involves kids. YouTube was able to say, hey, you know, technically we don't serve kids. Of course, they actually do. But at the time, they're like, technically, we don't serve kids. So I do think there are challenges to overcome. But the notion of allowing digitally native kids to have an environment where they can actually become creators, that's a safe environment, it's an educational environment guided by one of the greatest teachers of the past couple of decades, uh, I think that that's very compelling. So I'm very excited. From a blitz scaling perspective, you know, we get very excited about things that have marketplace components. Obviously, this does, where you have creators and consumers, and creators can become consumers, consumers can become creators. So all of this is really exciting from my perspective. Of course, I have a background in video having helped start Ustream on the live video side. So I think that this is extremely exciting. And I think they've also taken a really smart approach with integrating into some of the infrastructure that a lot of these classrooms are already using today. I mean, you mentioned that it looks like the platform integrates with Google and Clever. Uh, so teachers can set up their classroom in a short amount of time and get the content out. You know, they are in, it integrates directly with their LMSs. Um, it seems like they've gotten some pretty solid traction already. So they've got 30,000 members on the platform already today, uh, 5,000 plus lessons. 100,000 plus projects. So they're doing their thing. 
Uh, early education market, just some stats on that. It's expected to be roughly $480 billion by 2026. So again, high growth category. And I, yeah, I think you nailed it. I mean, with Esther's pedigree and just her deep expertise and knowledge, that's something that I think could just benefit so many teachers, but also young children at scale. So excited to see where they, yeah, where they take it next. In just ed tech overall, where, where does a lot of this go? I mean, with COVID, it feels like there's just been interesting hybrid models, but are there other things in ed tech that you've noticed or, and you mentioned you've kind of plugged into the space, but be curious to see what other kind of stuff you're seeing here. Yeah. So one of the things that I've seen as a larger friend is something that I summarize as other human beings of the killer app. And what I mean is that just recording content and putting it out there a la MOOCs has proven to be insufficient, even though obviously MOOCs have become very big. And what has worked are things that are cohort-based learning. So things like a Forge Global or an OnDeck. But those have their own issues, right? They're focused very specifically on professional learning and they're high-end, premium, high-cost, in-person type things with a significant hybrid component. And so I look at it and I say, as people are more and more used to interacting online, it should be possible to drive this sort of cohort-based learning in a virtual environment, get people to show up for each other, to help each other. I think that that is really the place that I'm keeping my eye on. I think that there's going to be a lot of developments there. And Lord knows we need more learning. The educational system is not done when people graduate from high school or college or even graduate school. My God, I, if I just stuck with the level of information I had when I graduated from Harvard Business School, goodness knows, I, I would still be focused on exactly the wrong things. You always have to be continually learning and we need to come up with better solutions for people to learn throughout their life. And also just shout out to the educators because Having tried to homeschool my daughter for the first two years of her, <laughs> her education, just realizing how shitty of a teacher I am, got to figure out a way to raise those salaries, man, because those, those teachers are tremendously underpaid and undervalued and underappreciated. My God. Yeah. And by the way, other countries have fixed this problem, right? They are able to pay teachers more. We have so much money. We are so rich and wealthy as a country that we should be able to do this. And it is also the case in certain isolated places, they can. So Esther taught in the Palo Alto public schools for many decades, and her daughters went to the schools here and graduated and went to Stanford and went off and became enormously successful. But part of it is that Palo Alto as a community really values education, raises a lot of additional money, has a lot of property taxes, and is able to pay its students well, its teachers well. I mean, Palo Alto elementary school teachers make six figures. now. That's not enough in most cases for them to actually live in Palo Alto and they have to live somewhere else to commute in. But it is still better than so many parts of the country where people are being paid a pittance to take part in this really noble profession. Yeah, for sure. Good stuff, man. Well, uh, I think it's a good place to wrap. What else is, what else, anything else you wanted to plug or what's on? And you mentioned your head to Stanford this afternoon. What, uh, what else is going on this week? Well, there are a couple of other things that are happening. Uh, my friend uh, Klaus has new, a new book out called Global Class. He's having a launch event tomorrow. So it's going to be a whole day in the wine country. And I'm expecting to go on that. One of the little perks of, of being an author that people want to have show up at launch events. Uh, I am also going to be heading out at the end of the month to the Unreasonable Group's 
uh, event, which is a social enterprise accelerator. I'll be working with some great entrepreneurs, I'm sure, meeting with some great people. It's the first time I've been able to do this in person since 2019. Actually, at the last in-person event I saw, that was one of the times that Esther and I spent together. And I hope they'll get a chance to see her this time. I don't know if she's going to make it out or now that she's co-founder, maybe she doesn't have time to go and, and be a mentor in accelerators. We'll see. Uh, and then just in general, a couple of other things that are coming up in October. I'm not actively on stage for this or anything, but uh, the Masters of Scale Summit will be taking place in late October. I think it may be sold out, but you know, check it out. I'm sure there'll be some great content coming out of that as well. Nice. Good stuff. Well, good to have you on always, Chris. Uh, have you coming back here Monday morning quarterback next week. Uh, and yeah, I think I'm going to go get a $50 salad downstairs. Uh, so and try to get back to Portland safe and sound without losing my wallet. Sounds like a good plan. Hey, you know, they say what happens in Vegas, Vegas stays in Vegas. What it also means is whatever money you brought to Vegas stays in Vegas. That's right. That's right. Words of wisdom. All right. We'll talk soon. Talk to you soon. All right. That is a wrap. Money morning quarterback in the books. Want to give a shout out to Chris Yeh. Appreciate you coming on, man. Talking through these opportunities. Another shout out to Esther Wajiki. Just giving love to all the Wajikis out there doing their thing. Excited to see what you all are building at Tract and the impact that you're going to have on the lives of kids and educators all across the globe. We got a big week coming up on the Assassins podcast. Another really incredible interview coming up with a close friend. I think you're going to enjoy that one. A couple other content pieces on the site are going up. So check us out, assassins.com. In the meantime, appreciate you tuning in. Keep hustling, keep grinding, and keep getting See them dollar signs, assassin state of mind, assassin state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line, assassin state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs, assassin state of mind, assassin state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line, assassin state of mind. They say money over everything, everything, Asian again. Shopping for a wedding ring, salary, startups, crypto, stock exchange. Appreciate every penny, pocket change. One phone call and your life can change. What's your love language? Can't do business if it ain't reciprocated.